Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of Rabbi Adam Klickfeld's weekly Rashi study class. We are entering a new plague. Woo! Um, beginning of chapter nine of the book of Shemot. Um, we're on verse three. I'll read verse two to get us going. Rashi's going to say something uh, short on verse three and four, and then he's going to go quiet for a few verses. And as is our wont, when Rashi goes quiet, we try to find at least one commentator on every other verse just to see what other people have found in the verses because um, Rashi's not the only one. Okay, so the previous verse, um, as we move into this plague, um, is verse two of chapter nine. This is God saying to Moses to tell Pharaoh that this is what God said. Remember, inside those many layers of uh, quotation marks, if you refuse to send the shaleach, the shaleach usually asks for a direct object, but it doesn't have one here, like to send, it doesn't say to send us, to send them, just to send. If you refuse to do the sending, we talked about how in Hebrew, the word od, which means more, can be declined, right? It can, I can have a declension. Um, then, uh, where's Larry Herman? He was the minion this morning. Oh, okay. Got it. Um, I thought of that because he and I discussed this last week. Then, and, and if you continue to hold on to them, and the verse ends with a sof pasuk, but it does not have a, a period, right? We're still in an ellipsis. Okay, that's how uh, that verse ended. And now we go to verse three. Everyone with me on that? Uh, thank you. Okay. Um, Leonard, do you want to read verse uh, three? Sure. Take a microphone. You okay, Norm? Uh, Leonard, take a look mic. Hine yad Adonai hoya. I think that's self-explanatory. What did he say? I think that's self-explanatory. <laughs> Enough said. Okay. Let's see what, let's see what Rashi says. Okay. So... Um, Okay, this will help. Oh, try try to work it out. Come on, you can do it. We believe in okay. you. Okay. So behold the hand of God, Hoya. Yeah, what do you think Hoya is? Uh don't know. The reason why you don't know is because it's a verb in a form or in a tense that it almost never is. What's a verb that's almost never in the present tense? In Hebrew at least. Oh Haya. To be. Right. We almost always have the verb to be in biblical Hebrew and in modern Hebrew, by the way, in the past tense. Ani hayiti, I was. Ani hayat, I will be. There's no I am in, in normal non-poetic Hebrew. Right. Uh, you know, if you if you went up to someone and said, uh, you know, how are you? Ani hoves sameach. Right. People would think that you're very, very strange. And part of that is because many adjectives in Hebrew have the notion of being built into it. Sameach doesn't just mean happy, it means being happy, right? Um, and even in biblical Hebrew, we almost never have that verb in the present tense, but here it is. It's in the present tense. Um, and just look, this is 
this is not a coincidence, but it's just a reminder of what the name of God really means. Look at the letters of the, of the word Hoya, right? And if you put them in a different order, what is it? yud heh vav right? yud heh vav right? The tetragrammaton, the unpronounceable name of God, is essentially a rearranging of the letters of, um, of the verb to be. And, you know, maybe, and we're not even supposed to try to do it, maybe in the order that's in yud heh vav heh, it's a future tense, a yeh, you know, a, a may God be. But if you switch letters around, you have this form, ho ya. Uh, which means um, being. Now, why it's here and not and not elsewhere? Not sure. It's very. It would have been very possible for this verse to be written without a present tense use of the verb to be, but it's there. And I guess how you, would you then translate it? Is is so now translate the whole phrase. But it's ho ya, not ho ve. Yeah, I know. It, um, I mean, even ho ve is a is a very. Um, uh, odd phrase, right? Um, it's as, it's as if, um, well, Rashi will get to what, what, why the vowel under the yud is what it is, why it's not two vubs and it's a vub yud. It's, it's almost a hapax legamenon in terms of how, how infrequently a, it appears. And it's ho ya, not ho ya. Right. So Rashi is going to say about, you're going to talk about that. So, so, so just kind of translate that. Okay. So the hand of God is, or will be, I think, is really what they mean. Good. So remember that when we read Rashi. So letter translated the Hoyas is because it's present tense, but almost instinctively said it's not an is because this is a prediction about what's going to be. Yeah, keep translating. Uh, in your uh, livestock, uh, in the field, uh, amongst the horses and donkeys and camels and cattle and sheeps. Dever kaved ma'od, very heavy dever. Right. What's dever? Some kind of illness. It's often translated. If you learn the ten plagues in English, what's it translated as? Pestilence. Pestilence. Right. The 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 kind of thing that kills cattle. By the way, you have that use of the root dalad bed resh in the uh, prayer that we say for the uh, IDF. Yad ber Adonai son enu. May God make our enemies, when God make our enemies kind of like submit to us. So a dever is a, is a disease that the uh, animals will submit to. Look at Unculus. Look how Unculus translates dever. It's the third to the last word in the Aramaic and also the third to the last word in the Hebrew. Mota. Mota. Death, right? So it may just be that in ancient Aramaic, there was not a separate vocabulary word for you know, death of animals that we know of in English as pestilence and that was known in Hebrew as dever, or maybe Uncle just didn't want to, uh, uh, Uncle just didn't want to go there. Okay. Um, all right. I see some hands up. Rick, you were the first hand. Yeah. I just wanted to ask, um, how many other times Hoya appears and, and where so we could compare. Um, if it was one other time, I just like to look at it. Uh huh. I didn't. I didn't do that uh, work, but see, apparently, Marshall, just one other time, or just here. Okay, let's give Marshall a, mi- a microphone. What, one second. One second. One second. Marshall, hold on. So here, this is Gelbard. Hoya mila shiba arak pa machad That the word hoya only appears once in the 
biblical text. Hapax legamenon, right? Only appearance in all the Bible. Um, and it, it's kind of, it's not that strange as a phenomenon for a word to only appear once, right? I mean, each, each occurrence is, is obviously unique for that word. But there are many hapaxa legamena, I don't know what the plural of that is in Greek, uh, in, in the Bible. It's strange that it's in such a pedestrian usage, right? It's not like there's anything about the beginning of this plague that we would think automatically demands such a unique usage of the verb to be. So why it's here? Interesting question. That is here apparently is a rather unique thing. I saw uh, Norm's hand, Barry's hand, and then Alan's hand. I withdraw mine. I thought this might be the first time that the name of Hold on, hold on. Friends, only speak if you're in the room, if you have a microphone. Otherwise, yes. everyone on the Zoom feels very left out. But he's passing. Yes. Okay. Do you, want to, do you want to say that you're passing into the microphone? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Okay. Barry, do we only have one extra? No, we have two. Okay. Keep one down there, one here. So could, could we also interpret it as uh, is already, has, has been already? It's, it's it, it, not just it is or what. It, 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 ha, it has been already. Yeah, has been is already pushing it into into the past. No, when, no, is now. It's it, it it's it's already been set up. Right, already. It's already been set up. Right, already is and has been is a is a push backwards. Is is in the present, and again, why it's in a it's in the present tense we don't know. The, Rashi's going to give kind of a, a very convenient answer. The the, the sense of that is that uh, God's plan has already been in place. Aha, uh-huh. it's or it's it's. Even if you're not aware of it, God's hand is among your cattle, even as I, even as I speak. Alan and then Stevie? Yeah. Uh, I just thought that perhaps because it's, it's Yad, Adonai, you're having the same letters here. It may be a, something like a Tikbolet or some sort of repetition to be able to make it, to make an emphasis of what's taking place with this particular plague. And why, Dafka, this particular plague? Right. It, it's, it's interesting to note that the one time in the Bible that the word Hoya appears, it appears right after the word yud heh That's an interesting note. But it does beg the question, why doesn't it appear many other times that yud heh appears and where the, the verb to be could be, right? So um, it's certainly interesting that you have yud heh then heh yud heh but we're not sure what to, what to make of that. Um, Stevie? Yeah, just to add to what Barry said, um, you do have here noun verb as opposed to verb noun which usually indicates perfect tense so it is a it, so that would indicate you know has been or had been uh or will have been yeah as not uh right so but noun verb also could be present tense in any other any other route aside from the verb to be so the fact that it's noun verb. I mean, usually it means perfect, right? It, yeah, it could be past, present, or future, but but it does mean right. Like, but the present would be has been, not is. I don't know. Um, I'm not sure about that. Why? 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 If if it were in a, an, any other present tense verb where the subject comes first, why would right. we necessarily translate right. it as Adam it already yada, is? is? Adam had known. But that's a past tense verb. Yada, it's not Adam right. Yodea. If it were in a present tense, the form, 
would it suggest that it's a has been as opposed to an a present tensing? I think so. I got to think about that because it doesn't strike me. I mean, present tense is such a rare occurrence to begin with. It's like. Right. Right. I don't see why that would negate the principle of word order. Mm -hmm. I got to think about that because at first thought, it doesn't seem to me that a biblical sentence, you're right. You're right. That present tense is rare in the Bible, but that um, a biblical sentence where you have the subject slash noun and then the verb, where the verb in the present tense form is suggesting an already, it has been. Um, like if like even in the yeah, let me think about that. It's it's interesting interesting possibility. Um, anything else in this verse? Yes, Marshall, and then Norm. Norm, you got a new idea. Okay, but you go go ahead, Marshall. You first. Okay, I think it's really noteworthy that it's the hand and not the finger. Because we've seen it be the finger in a previous play, mm-hmm. and we're told in the Haggadah that each of these is, is like a finger, but no, this one is a hand. Yeah, I think the fi- what? I think the finger was a reference to like the, the magicians, right? Saw one of the plagues as an indication that it's Etzba Elohim, uh, and now God is saying, "I'm gonna, not just one finger, but all five. Uh, Marshall. Again, Robert Alter offers uh, a good perspective, a good a good insight for me. He said in his translation, "The hand of the Lord is about to be against your livestock, which is in the field." And he comments about that. He said the strange usage of Hoya involves a kind of fearsome pun on the divine name Yudhe Vavhe that was mysteriously highlighted in the burning bush episode. God's intrinsic, intrinsic and unique capacity for being, we are made to see, is not just a matter of static condition, but an awesome power of action, the hand that is, quote, about to be against all the livestock of Egypt. Yeah, so it's interesting that you can play around with almost equally interestingly as a will be and is and, a, and as a like has already been and it all kind of works um and it makes for really hard work of a translator um if you look at um i'll share the screen and share some of the translations that we have here um okay so uh we always have this problem someone can just move you don't have to right now but later on i might have to so this is um uh Everett Fox, uh, here Yad, God's hand will be. So he renders the the ho, the, the hoya, uh, which looks like a present tense verb, into a will be. That's Everett Fox. JPS, um, the hand of Adonai will strike. So also future. Um, this this changed recently. How this page is set up here. Um, Corin, behold, the land of the Lord is is upon. So that's interesting. Corin is working very hard to keep in the present tense. The hand of the Lord is upon thy cattle. Uh, Mitsuda, the hand of Adonai is directed at your livestock. I want to see what Charles. Uh, um, yeah, Shraga Silverstein, behold, the land of the hand of the Lord is in your cattle. Present tense. Uh, 
um, and Charles Kahana, a slaughter of the eternal shall come upon your cattle. Interesting. Slaughter. He's rendering Dever as slaughter. So you see that even though it's a very simple word, we all know what it is. It's the verb to be in the present tense feminine. How to trend, how to render it in terms of what tense is happening here is, a, is an interesting question. Okay. Now, Rashi jumps right into that. So, Leonard, do you want to pick up the Rashi? Before we do, can you translate sagi lachta? Which word is what? Where? In the Aramaic translation, sagi, sagi, lachta. So they died very much, I guess. But I don't see that. But after mota? Takif? After mota, you have... Takif. Sa- I, I have takif, the uncleus. You're looking at uncleus or a different translation? I'm looking at uncleus. It says mota sagi lachta. Uh, I have takif. Takif oh. means strong or heavy, but sa- sa- here too. In the- sagi means like an like uh, um, abundant, like a, a lot. So that wouldn't be the the switcher for takif. That's the maod. Yeah, the, the sa- And what word do you have after sagi? Lachta. We have lachta also. Um, Lachta, I would normally think of as the Aramaic as lachud, which means only. So I'm not sure what lachta is doing there. Um, maybe it maybe it can also mean. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see if we can pick it up quickly. Okay, lachda. The the. Sephardic translation. Translate it as, it as plague. plague. That's the Safaria translation of the Uncleus? Yeah. At Lachda, it says, look up Chad. Um, yeah, so Lachda is from Chad, like Echad, but it, it's for, it, it, in that form it means like singularly. So Takif Lachda means singularly strong and and sagi lachta means like singularly potent something like that i don't know why the word uh, some versions of the uncle have sagi as opposed to takif but takif means chazak yeah okay uh now jump into the rashi on yadonai hoya all right Okay, he's saying two things. The first thing he's saying is just in two words. So what's the first thing he says? This is present tense. Right. Even you, reader, as you are as you feel the push to translate this as a future, as if it's coming up or a past tense, as if it already has been, because that's the way we normally do the verb to be in Hebrew. Rashi says, this is an intentional, non-accidental, Lashon Hove. Um, it's in the present tense. And I want to share with you, um, look at, um, look at verse, look at chapter seven, verse 28. 
There's, um, it's another example where you have a present tense form verb, but it seems to be about something happening coming up. So chapter 7, verse 28. Ima ein ata. Ever see, see that? Sorry, I'm sorry, 28 or 20. One second. 27. Yeah, 27. If you refuse. So it's the same uh, format where God is threatening if you refuse to dispatch. Behold, I, no gaif. I, we discussed this that time. I am plaguing your borders with frogs. No gaif is a present tense verb. O e is the, is the vowels. Clearly, it sort of means... You know, I, I'm, I'm going to be because it's a prediction, but it um, falls in the present tense. Rashi says, same thing here. This is not written wrong. It actually is a present tense verb, but it's somehow a present tense verb that also can be used in a sentence about something that's about to happen. That's part one. So it's present tense, not a future tense, even though it feels future. Okay. And then the next thing. All right. So this is present tense. And it's in uh, f- the feminine form. It's in the feminine, why, which is why it's written hoye, hoya, and not hoye or hove, right? Okay. And um, in the past, you would have haita, and in the future, you would have tihie. Yeah, I, I'm not sure why he's saying this, because what, once he tells us that it's in the present tense, and he assumes that we know that the word yad, because yad is the subject here, right? Yad or nai is feminine, right? Why he feels the need to tell us that, oh, by the way, the verb to be in the feminine in the past tense is haita, and the future tense is tihye. It seems self-explanatory, but he's kind of spelling it out that ki ye amer nekiva. Yes, it will be it will be written in the feminine, since you know, reader, that in the past tense it's haita. And in the future tense, it's te'ya, al ha'omeid. What does that phrase mean? Um, the present. Yeah, it's Rashi's. Remember we say sometimes Rashi's vocabulary words for Hebrew grammar are different than ours. His vocabulary word for what we call the present tense in English or hoveh in Hebrew is omeid, like standing, like the, the present standing of a, a verb. Yeah. So I think what he's saying is, since you've never seen this word before and will never see it again. Something like that. Just as, you know, in the past tense, it's this, and in the future tense, it's that. By the way, over here, it's in the present tense, and this is what it is. Right. And, it, and it, it's parallel to, if you, if you point it, if you vowelize it, ho-va, it is similar to. Right. Uh, osa, ratsa, ra'a. Right. And again, I, I imagine people including us reading it saying yeah like that makes sense i haven't i've never seen the verb to be in the present tense but if it's a feminine noun why wouldn't it be like osa um rotsa roa okay um pure grammar but uh we generally don't skip rashis any comments uh, rosemary and then barry microphone isn't there another one down here let's leave one down there one up there I'm uh, going to see it not grammatically, but meaningfully, because um, God knows that he's going to refuse anyway. Also, he hardens his heart. So if it's used the word um, present, it's not done yet. If he says future, many future things that we say we don't do. 
And he can't say past because it hasn't been done, mm -hmm. but it's a present that proves it will be done. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that the example came into my mind and I left it. There are definitely places in English where we use a present tense verb um, to discuss something that hasn't happened yet, but it kept, it, it, um, it slipped my mind. Um, tomorrow we are going to the store. Going is present tense, right? But it makes perfect sense in English that so tomorrow we are going. Well, we're not going if it's tomorrow. Tomorrow we will go, but we say it in English and, we, and everyone knows what we mean, right? No one says, hey, tomorrow is about, is about the future and going is a present tense verb. It just works. And by the way, in Hebrew slang, it's the opposite. You can say, one of the ways you can say, let's go is halachnu, we went. Literally halach means we went. But in modern Hebrew slang, you know, you're finishing a meal, you're like, okay, yalla halachnu, we, we've gone already. It, it's different because it's slang and it's the way of it's, it's, I don't know how that came to be, but even in the regular use of English and in Hebrew, you can sometimes use a present tense verb to mean the future. Barry. And then I see Rick's hand up. So okay. then Stevie. I'll follow up on that first and then say what I wanted to say. Uh, the, the intentionality it, it's current now, the intentionality that will be but we're, we're, the, the, now is the intentionality we're going tomorrow. Mm -hmm. um, the other comment I want to make is it, God has said already that these things are going to happen. It's all in, it's all, it's all in place. Everything's in place already. So uh, that's why it's, it's, it's a present tense. This, it's already there. It's, it's all that's. Yeah. But then we have to ask why that's not written that way in all the other plagues, because there's nothing unique about this. So I plague. want to ask a question in the sequence of the plagues. Where, 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 where is the hump? Where, where's, where, where, where is it peaking? Why? What's the significance of this number, this plague number in the sequence? Why, why would it be here? Good question. This is, this is plague five of 10. Okay, so it, it's like the middle. Yeah, it's, it's not the middle, but it's the middle. It's near the middle. So it's, it's, part of, it's half of the middle if the middle is five and six so together. It's, it's, it's time for the present to be. Yeah. Uh, Rick and then Stevie. Yes, hi. Um, I'm seeing Suzanne is kind of waving her hand also. Oh. So Suzanne, you got to push the reaction thing so your little hand comes up. Sorry, I'll, thank I'll, you for letting me out. I didn't see yeah. Suzanne's, uh, actually, I didn't actually see the hand of God or the hand of Suzanne. <laughs> but now I see it in the present tense that the hand of Suzanne is is here. Go ahead, Suzanne. Yeah. So you have to unmute now, Suzanne. And then I I have a question for you. Okay. But I'll let her go first. Uh, we don't hear you yet, Suzanne. You need to uh, unmute. A couple of the comments, as well as the slipping from the past to the present and the future, appeal to me because I think we're supposed to be reading all of this in the context of the previous uh, um, the prediction, I will harden Pharaoh's heart. It's going to happen. Um, and that happened, that was already said. Mm -hmm. And you know, now uh, we're moving backwards and forwards um, in, into the past and the future. Uh, and up to the future. Right. Once I think what you're saying is that once you've made, if you're making a prediction, mm -hmm. once you're in the description of the prediction, you can talk about it in the present tense because the whole prediction is in the future tense. Is that what, is that what you're saying? 
Yes, and also it has an element of being in the past. It was yeah. set up when God yeah. said, I will harden Pharaoh's heart. Yeah, yeah. I, and it it's endlessly fascinating, and it, it can almost feel like an Escher painting in your mind because, listen, the whole notion of tense is an interesting thing, right? We we think we really understand what we mean. We talk about past, present, and future tense. Um, but, you know, you have to go deep into an understanding of, you know, Einsteinian physics, understand even what the notion of time means, right? And the, the, the when these texts are coming into being, they weren't thinking through those terms. But even if they weren't thinking through those terms, they had the same human awareness that we do right now, that it's weird to think about something that happened and something that will happen uh, and and how to bring that into reality, because the only thing that's happening is right now, right? And sometimes language clarifies that and sometimes language obscures it yeah thanks suzanne uh rick and then stevie okay so still on ho ya um i was gonna ask you if you thought maybe the revia on top would change the eh to ah uh, like uh, geffen changes to gaffen and eretz to aretz when it's the emphasis of the music so that's nope. part part one part in, two in, is in, I just in a word in a word no um, no? The okay. Eretz changes to Aretz, not based on the trup, but based on, well, it's it's only if it's on a pausal form. The emphasis, so, the emphasis of the word. No, only if it's on an Ednachta or a Sof Pasuk. Huh? It's only if it's in a pausal form of the, of the sentence. It's not, yeah. so if it's an Ednachta, halfway through the verse, or a Sof Pasuk, the end of the verse, Eretz turns to Aretz, Lechem turns to Lachem, but not because it's a flowery trap or, or a trap of emphasis. So it's the pause of the sentence. Right. And also the pause of the thought. What, once we have determined that this is a present tense verb, it has to be hoya because yad is feminine. Well, it could be the Shekhinah, could be, could be hoya, uh, hoya that way. Uh, anyway, <laughs> God or God is male or female. We don't know that. But anyway, yeah, but the, so, just, I just want to, but I, just to be clear to you, everyone else, but the subject of the verb is a feminine the, subject. The subject is the hand. Yad isn't. Yad is feminine. Uh, yad is feminine. Correct. Yes. Yad hachazaka. Yadaim. Yadaim chazakot. Even parts of the body <laughs> that are in plural are feminine. Even yadaim raglaim. Okay. okay. Feminine. Even if they look masculine in their singular. Just like you look masculine and singular, but in your plural, you might be feminine. <laughs> okay, next. Um, and the second thing is, I want to remind us that this is the if-then. It's it's a continuation of verse 2. So the machazik, the grabbing with the hand, and then the hand of God. I just like, I like the image there. Uh, yeah. But, but um, the if-then um, is all in the is all in the future. If you do this, if you refuse, then this will happen in the future. So I'm not sure uh, well, what else to do point, with that. It's a good because all, the meaning of the if-then is all in the future, but the verb forms, and I think that's what Suzanne is saying, are all in the present. Machazik is a present tense verb. If you continue to, to hold them. So it's all in an if-then format. If you do this, then this, but the verb forms for the what you are continuing to do and what will happen to you are all in the present. Uh, Stevie. And then I forgot. Okay. Um, two points. Uh, first of all, we've, 
and I wasn't here last week, so I don't know if this came up, but uh, I consistently heard that people saying that this is God speaking, and um, but the 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 uh, we've moved from first person to third person here, right? Instead of Amin Yavduni, and if we look back at again, you know, chapter seven, verse twenty-eight, we had God saying. Um, Or was it which was the uh, or, sorry what which was the the verse that we had a minute ago um twenty seven right uh I know he no gave right it's again still first person, so we didn't have that switch, so it, it seems to me first of all that this is not that, that the quote that Moses was repeating from God ended with verse one. Um, it was just um, and then the rest of this is like, Moses is like, by the way, you should you know, take this seriously because, and then the, my second point is that if this is present tense, and the next verse is future tense, then that seems to be the threatening prediction. It's saying, right, God wants you to let my people in, uh, so they can serve me. And you should know if you continue in this way, God's hand is already, right, it, you know, with all your with all your animals or with, with all the animals, it's not yours, right, uh, uh, as a, you know, very severe uh, plague, pestilence and he will mm. the next verse mm. begin to separate between the live your livestock and our livestock and as the story continues right when pharaoh investigates it's the separation that seems to be bothering him if you as, as we read ahead it like the separation seems to be the magical part of all of this um and that's that's the future prediction so the got like simply the Dever itself is not se- seems to be present tense and not like the the prediction that's going on. Yeah, she so said a couple of interesting things, and, and, and the statement that's about to come up of like, and God did so, also sort of implies that this was Moses's own initiative and not part of the quote. She said a couple of interesting things here, Stevie. Uh, look, talking about the second one first, it's an interesting. We, we've we've played with this already a little bit that the that the Yad Adonai Hoya might not itself be the um, threat of the plague, but the threat of the of a potential of the plague, right? That, that, that just so you know, whenever God will choose to do this, God's hand is already amongst your cattle, and then the plague could erupt any moment. I, I'm curious about the first thing you said, and um, I'm intrigued by it. I, it. It leaves open something that I don't know how to resolve, because you're right, the switch from... Um, um, which is God telling Moses to tell Pharaoh this in God's name, where God's speaking in the first person, to the third person um, with which God is referred to in the second and third verses, you're suggesting put one of the quotation marks at the end of verse one, right? God said to Moses, go to Pharaoh and say to him, this is what God said, um, dispatch my people that they shall serve me and all those quotation marks. And then from verse two on, this is now Moses speaking. 
the challenge, and this doesn't mean it's not the right way of reading it, is that we don't have then Vayomer Moshe, right? Like they're usually when Moses is when right. in, in the in the narrative, Moses is going to be speaking, start starting a sentence. We have that told to us by the narrator, and the way the narrator um, structures the sentence suggests that verse three and verse four are still within what God told Moses to say to Pharaoh in God's name. But I agree that the switch from first person to third person is odd. And I I do agree with that, but there is no point ever with this plague where it says, and then Moses did so as God commanded. Correct. It doesn't come up at all. Correct. In in verse six, we get the the plague actually happens. All, All we have seemingly is... God telling Moses to tell Pharaoh that the plague might come. And then the plague comes. We don't actually see this encounter. So you're positing that almost before verse two, there was a missing verse as it were. And by the way, the Talmud does that all the time. There's a, you know, there's a, you know, there's notion of chasuri michsara that the verse was, was lacking something. It's amazing how much chutzpah the the Talmudic rabbis had. There was another verse there as if the Torah forgot to tell us, Oh, and then Moses stood before Pharaoh, and this is what Moses said in his own name. It's a possibility. Okay, are we? Were there other hands on this so far? Okay, what hand? Hand, hand of God, hand of Leonard. Oh yeah. So uh, I don't know if they're right, but in this book over here, uh, which is JPS uh, translation here, the quote starts in verse nine, and then there's a subquote in verse i'm sorry verse one of chapter nine and starts in one and the whole thing ends at, at the end of five right that that that's what it seems like and stevie's response to that is then why do we change from first person to third person but the, the if you don't think about the shift from first person to third person the scene seems to be um a five verse sentence that god is telling moses to tell pharaoh yeah. And then the other thing I found uh, kind of interesting here is um, uh, something that Ibn Ezra said. So he makes a comment, which I won't bother quoting. But at the end of his comment, he he says, hmm. Right? This this interpretation is far-fetched. However, we don't have anything better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean... I, I think I should use that. I could use that as the opening to every one of my sermons and it would be apt. <laughs> uh, very good. I love that. Far-fetched. Yes. He's scoop, scooping it out with a ladle. Okay. Um, verse four. Uh, let's see. Uh, Renee, you want to read verse four? Um. And and the Hashem distinguished between the livestock of Egypt and uh, not a thing that belonged to the children of Israel would die. Good. Vehifla, uh, vav ha'ipuch, right? So it looks like past tense, understood as future. So God will distinguish. And we, if you remind yourself, look back at chapter 8, verse 18. We had this before. Um, 
in the plague uh which plague was this this was um the yeah the 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 arove the um the wild beasts or the um fly insecty things uh the vayom hahu god is saying god's own uh, uh name first person i will pella i will it's from the root that means to make a distinction, but I, I or, or a wonder. I will make a wondrous distinction between. Uh, and uh, we, Rashi gives a longer comment on that. There, uh, Uncleus translates it with the same root each time. Peirushin, perush. What's a perush? It's a distinction. It's a it's a slicing out of a different type of type of meaning. Okay, so uh, back to our verse. Uh, whether you take Stevie's view, this is now Moshe paraphrasing what God said or still within what God wants Moses to tell Pharaoh that God is saying, just God wants it's this being said in the third person that God will make a distinction between the flock of Israel and the, or the cattle of Israel, the cattle of Egypt. Look at the interesting, it's not even really assonance. It's just, it's just the fact that you have Dever and Davar here, right? So the last, the last, uh, verse ended with the phrase "dever kabed maod," a very heavy pestilence, and now this verse is ending with the word "davar." Um, there's no etymological connection, as far as I know. I think these are literally two different three-letter roots that happen to be "dalad beish reish," "dalad bet reish." One of them means "speak," one of them means, um, you know, a, a submissive, a, a submission to a disease. Okay, but it's just interesting that that's how the word ends. Uh, any comments, questions on the verse? Rashi is quiet. I oh, know Rashi says one thing on that. Anything on this verse people want to ask or say? Marshall? Uh, again, uh, Alter translates that word, as the Lord will set apart the livestock of Israel from the livestock of Egypt. Yeah, set apart, and um, I think Rashi's comment, and this is literally a one-word the comment. Deal, the heave deal. Right, so yeah. we, we, we stole Renee's thunder for a second, right? So, Renee... Vehifla first. Yes, re, re, reclaim your thunder, Renee. Vehifla vehivdil. Yeah, to make, make a distinction. And distinguish and separate. Right, and Rashi, I think on the previous verse, Rashi had a longer comment on it. Yeah, so uh, in the previous... Um, um, common. First of all, interesting, Rashi translates that one into a different Hebrew word that is more in line with how Unklish translates it. Right? So just to follow, both time this root is used, chapter 8, verse 18 and here, behifleti and behifla, both times Unklish translates it with the Aramaic root paresh, right, to make a distinction. Rashi there translates behifleti as behifrashti, similar to Unklish, but here he chooses a synonym, right? Lahafrish and lahavdil is very similar. So is lahavchin to make a distinction, and Rashi chooses that one to make a distinction between. Uh, Marshall, yeah, the, the Matsuda translation of Unklus, I think, is helpful here too. Adonai will distinguish between the livestock of the Bnei Yisrael and the livestock of Egypt. None belonging to the Bnei Yisrael will die. So God, in effect, can determine which ones belong to. B'nai Yisrael, which belonged to the Egyptians, as opposed to separating or setting apart. Uh-huh. Yes. Good. Um, anyone else on this verse? All right. All right, Rachel. I'm a very <clears throat> basic uh, question. <clears throat> 
You mentioned the Shoresh Devar, which here means pestilence, and that it's identical to Devar for words or speaking. And I just wonder how often that kind of a coincidence shows up in Torah. It's just a really interesting coincidence to me. Yeah, um, I certainly can't answer the question of how often. <laughs> um, so, right. So there, there, there are many homonyms. Right. Well, there, there are homonyms. There are also many places where homonyms appear near one another in a verse that make us wonder: Is there, is this just a coincidence of large numbers? Right. And so, if you have a very large book and you have lots of etymological uh, roots that mean different things, the chances are occasionally they're going to show up in the in adjacent verses and it's going to make us wonder, was that intentional? And maybe it was intentional, don't know. Um, there are um, three-letter roots that have many, many sub-meanings. And when you get down to the actual meaning of them, you would think they can't possibly have the same parent and they do. And when you trace it back, it's interesting, like in like in taxonomy. And there are three-letter roots that are entirely different from one another, that they happen to be the same three Hebrew letters, but early on in the development of the language, they just were literally different roots. I, I didn't check this before, but I think in this case, we're in the second category of that. Um, let's look at um, PDB. Two, two totally separate. Yeah, I'm going to share um, BDB. Okay, let's see. Um, God, it's a long entry. Um, wait, now why am I on Lamed Aleph? Right, that was not right. Uh, hold on, so I can do this quickly. Reference PDB. Try it again. Dever. Um, no, this is not right. All right, it may not be worth the time. If that dictionary says that they're different, let me try one more. Okay, Davar. So, first one, obviously, to speak, verb to speak. Okay, and then the many the different forms, the pa'al, the nifal, et cetera, et cetera. Look how many entrances, because obviously it's an extremely common verb. And then that turns into a noun called Davar. All these references. And then its own entrance, Dever, Pestilence. And this is uh, today, uh, in the category of a today that I learned. It comes from an Arabic word. It's similar to Arabic, Arabic word meaning departure or death. And that is the word from which we get the verb Yadber, in the, um, which is what you want your enemies to do when you are attacking them. You want them to die as a result of your having attacked them. Right. Two different roots. Um, Leonard? There's other words, too, that don't have a verbal form but have the same three-letter root that don't seem to be related to either of these, like dvir, dvir beitecha. Like an inner, inner chamber. Right. Hmm. So, And there's a couple others that are mentioned in there as well that, that have look like they have the same root but don't seem to be related to either verb. Yeah, yeah. Alan and then Marshall? 
a word that's always that I've always loved that has different meanings is ayin lamid mem olam world ne'elam you know disappear and uh, le'olam forever. It's uh, there don't seem to be any direct connection among the different meanings of it, but the same shorish of ayin lamid mem. Yeah, that there I, I didn't look that one up, but right, it it can mean a sense of endlessness. And also can mean a um, something that is gone, that is that has been that has been disappeared. Yeah, yeah. And, contempor- and maybe those are related. I don't know because that that you can you can imagine an early ancestor of those two routes, right? That that if if something is gone, is gone forever. Like you can imagine those coming from the same parent, but I don't know that they, that they do. Mm-hmm. Marshall, yeah. In the Morphic Dictionary, hutbar, which is a hufal form, to have been eliminated, referring to pests. Mm or to have overcome noxious or harmful entities. Wow. Wow. Language is fun stuff. Okay. Uh, Let's go to verse five. Um, Ilan, you want to read verse five? Sure. Let's give Ilan a microphone. And this is where Rashi goes quiet for three verses. He says nothing on five, six, or seven, but I've got a commentary for each of those verses for you. Vayasem Adonai Moed Lemor Machar Yaase Adonai Hadavar Hazeba Aretz. And uh, what does Yasem mean? To um, to set, like or to like literally to put or to place. But here it means to set, as in to affix a time. Okay, and God uh, affixed a time uh, tomorrow. Uh, God will do this thing in the land. Again, by the way, we have Davar. It's interesting, and I'm, I'm seeing it now more, right? After the, in the two verses after which we get the first use of the word Dever, we've got Davar twice, which the verse could have been written differently without that. So it's interesting. Um, by the way, uh, if, do you have the uncleus in front of you, uh, Ilan? Yeah. Look at the verb that uncleus uses to translate Vayasim. First verb in the uncleus. Va, uh, vashavi. Vashavi. Anyone know a verse that is built from that, a Hebrew verse from that root? Shiviti Adonai Lenegdi Tamid, right? So there are early biblical roots that no longer really play in modern Hebrew, but they, they still exist in the Aramaic. So Shiviti, the Shin Vet Vav Yud means to place. Shiviti Adonai Lenegdi Tamid. I place God in front of me often, always. It's a common thing to see above an Aron HaKodesh. That's Ungalish's translation of Vayasem, to place. So depending on if you're in the Stevie understanding of these verses or the Leonard understanding of these verses, either Moses is saying, and by the way, Pharaoh, God's already set this up, right? Look at the Vayasem is a past tense verb because it's Vavaypuch. God has already appointed a time. And, and what does that mean? Meaning tomorrow. So even in that little half phrase, you got past tense and future. God has appointed time, and the point in time is tomorrow, right? Or this is within what God wanted Moses to tell Pharaoh that God is going to do. God has appointed a time, um, and the time is tomorrow. That's when God will do this, the, the davar of the dever, as it were. Okay? Is the fact that um, they're saying that God has appointed a time, does that mean that it's irrevocable? In other words, at this point, God has already appointed the time, there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah, I think Barry and Rosemary were, were were chewing on the same notion, right? Is is this somehow a way of suggesting that 
it's all been set in motion and I'm just revealing it to you or the potential is set in motion. Right. And that's why it's saying God's hand is, is already there. Um, is this one more way of Moses or Moses, God letting Pharaoh know that he's not in control at all. Telling the person who thinks he is entirely in control, of everything he's not in control of all don't know, but, but tense is really interesting in these verbs, in these sentences. Mary. It's another reason to, uh, Say that this is this is Moses talking. This is not a continuation of uh, uh, God's speech. Uh, maybe right. It, it it may be Moses, um, uh, as Stevie said, putting it into, into his own words, or God wants Moses to say this about God in the third person. I think that it ties into the immediacy of the Hoya in the previous phrase in the previous verse, and that. The situation is in place. If Pharaoh, if you don't release us, if you're still holding, this is done a done deal. Nice. It's not, nice. it might happen. God will consider. He'll decide. It's done. Yeah. Tomorrow morning, if you're still holding slaves, your cattle are in for it. Yeah. Um, this might feel very on the nose, but your comment, Norm, remind me of something. In the months after the disengagement from Gaza in 2006, there's a fascinating article. It may have been Dershowitz. I'm not sure. I know some people um, some people still uh, love to read Alan Dershowitz. Some people think that Alan Dershowitz has gone off the deep end. I'm more in the former category. I think he, he, um, I think he writes um, smartly about many things. I think he wrote an article where he basically said that now that Israel has removed all of its forces from, um, from Gaza, and this is, I think, before even... Hamas took power. He said there should be there should be set up an automatic uh, system that Israel makes very clear to the Palestinian leadership that they can do nothing to stop. Which is obviously you know it's kind of, kind of science fiction that if a single rocket comes over from Gaza to Israel, no matter what happens, ten rockets are going in. We can't we can't stop it. Right? It's already set up. So just so you know that there never have to be any rockets from us going into Gaza. But if one comes out, ten are going in. Right. Meaning there's an apparatus set up that's going to happen automatically. What you, what you said reminded me of that kind of fantasy. Right. To make it very clear that we we hope never to shoot another weapon past this border. But we've put something in place militarily that there will be no judgment call. It's just going to happen because it's already been set up to happen. So you're suggesting that that it's almost like a slingshot has been released by your refusal to let the Israelites go. Um, I'm, I just noticed for the first time, and we, you know, we could we could spend so much time on the on the uh, targum, the uncleus, on every verse. We don't have to. When uncleus translates the word davar in this verse differently than the word davar in the previous verse, he uses the Aramaic word pidgama. In Hebrew, davar can be word or thing. In Aramaic, I'm pretty sure pidgam only refers to something spoken. It does not refer to uh, a thing. So Uncleus is basically saying here, um, that last phrase, that God will enact the, the verbal promise that he made. He doesn't translate davar into the Aramaic word for thing. He translates it into the Aramaic word for spoken promise, spoken um, articulation, which I think is an interesting choice. Um, Correct. 
Um, the commentator I was going to have us read on this is the Bahor Shore, a French commentator lived after Rashi, but I noticed that it's 929 and his comment is going to take a little bit of time to work through. So um, uh, just as a teaser, the Bahor Shore is, remember Barry, you were saying before, where are we in the array of the uh, plagues? The Bahor Shore is going to actually link this plague to every plague that's going to come up. He doesn't talk about it, whether it's like half, but he says there's a pattern from this play going forward, which I think is interesting. He thinks of it as a crescendo. Um, Okay, next week here, normal. Uh, Happy New Year, everyone, in advance. Two weeks from now, I'll put it in the WhatsApp chat. Uh, Class meets, but from wherever you are, um, I mean, you could come in here, but I don't, this isn't going to be set up. And it's, and you know, it could always be a song on here. So uh, next week is here. here. I'll put it in the WhatsApp chat two weeks from now, all on Zoom. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.